Hi, and welcome to the, the Devils Made Us Do It, a podcast about all things geek. Welcome back. I am Jolan. You can find me on Twitter at Lady Jolan. I'm Kirsten. You can find me at Kirsten B. Karen. Now, today is a pretty exciting day. I almost want to call it like a part two, but it's a standalone to our last um, podcast with John Hayden. Um, we have two amazing guests today. We have Michael Dalt and Philip Moss, um, and they are part of the big production we talked about last time called Land of the Outlaws. So let's give a big welcome to them. Welcome. Hey, um so anyway uh we've done a little research stop me if i'm wrong so michael is ceo you co-founded tiptoe pictures correct uh correct yeah and you are kind of producer actor writer director of land of the outlaws uh yeah 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 i created it and uh wrote the pilot okay and philip is director on this piece as well um what yeah go ahead yeah, uh, co-director. We had um, a guy named Jeff Morgan do a lot of principal, and I, I picked up, um, I was sort of second unit, but it kind of morphed into directing full-on scenes, and then um, I've been directing, we did about four days of pickups, and then all the ADR and stuff I've been handling, so it's been kind of a joint effort, yeah. Very cool. But I'm also executive producer. Mike and I are, you know, uh, business partners, so um so you two are kind of co-show running, co- yes. sounds like, yeah, and exactly. co-writing, co-everything, yes. yeah. is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, Mike created it, I did everything else. What do you think? No, <laughs> <laughs> no it's kind of interesting, really, because um, I wrote the pilot, and early on, uh, Phil and I talked about the writing responsibilities, and um, we're pretty similar in that, uh, our kind of like our approach to it. And uh, so Phil's picking up episode two. I do episode three. So it's like every other one we do. Yeah. And, you know, we've been Mike and I have actually kind of been um, dabbling with this idea for a really long time. He he came to me. We've known each other for a while. And he came to me back in I think it was like 2010. And at the time it was going to be a a feature film with a short film lead in. Mm -hmm. And he was. I had just wrapped up an independent television show. I created it and had just uh, finished that. And I met Mike. I helped him out with his first feature, um, just kind of showed up and helped him out. And that's how we became buddies. And then he was telling me about Land of the Outlaws. You know, we both have various projects going on and we've kept each other in the loop. And he's like, hey, I've got this Land of the Outlaws thing. And at the time it was a feature and I was going to do I was going to direct the short film. but it, you know, as things happen, um, <laughs> things change, move on, uh, kind of fell apart for a while. And um, we went our separate ways for a while, but kept in touch. And then uh, he said, hey, I think it might start back up again. And I said, well, let me jump on and I'll help you out. And um, we became partners and have been doing, talk to him like every freaking day. <laughs> every day. <laughs> every day. Lucky you. More than my wife. She's like. She's like, I get a text. I'll get a text. And she'd be like, what's Mike want? I'm like, it's not Mike. <laughs> if I don't hear from Phil before noon, I feel like something happened. <laughs> He's mad at me. Why hasn't he texted you? Yeah. yeah and it was, you know, one of those things, like, uh, we were coming off of a, a feature film prior to Land of the Outlaws that was, like, right going, going right into principal photography, just about. And uh, money just fell apart, and we were, like, devastated. And, and Phil and I were just like sitting in this empty office. We're like, what are we going to do? What do 
what do we want to do? And we were trying to figure out a bunch of ideas to get the project that at hand off the ground and it just wasn't happening. So we just kind of took like a month off and then I came back, I found, uh, found some money and uh, I came <laughs> back and I said, Hey, remember Land of the Outlaws? Remember that? And he goes, yeah, yeah. And then we just kind of went from there. Um, we just picked it up and kept going. Okay. I have a question because this was like a dream come true. You listen to the John thing. I wanted to know more about this. So Land of the Outlaws, it's outlaws and lawmen trying to survive in a town of corruption, correct? During a prohibition of technology. Where was the idea born? Because I like I it. I too. really cool. like it. <laughs> um, well, I mean, essentially it was, I wrote it back in 07 and it was just like, buddy cop drama kind of thing going on and um at the time like nothing was nothing was really happening with it and uh i noticed like it was too cliche compared to everything else that was going on and um so i started getting like really involved like when i was a kid my dad used to watch like you know the spaghetti westerns Mm -hmm. um and i remember just like watching like i think i was watching like good the bad and the ugly and i said wow that's pretty cool like translating it to what going on today with like you know the progression of you know how cinematography is and how uh, story flow is and I was like I think this might work and Quentin Tarantino had a lot to do with that mm. and I was like wow this is really cool so I decided to take this world and just like merge a bunch of things into this this whole other idea and essentially Land of the Outlaws is kind of like the civilization that really doesn't have an identity so they pull from other decades I mean you're gonna see like you know, fashion from the 20s and the 40s and the 60s and the 80s. And you're going to see cars from different eras. You're going to see guns from different eras because they really don't have an identity. So they're kind of stealing from other decades to create their own, like, civilization, to create their own world. That's cool. Um, Yeah. So it was kind of like one of those things where it was just, I just just, just started cramming all this information in and just nitpicking through it and figuring out what to do. And like Phil said, I mean, it was going to be a feature film, but um, I saw the way the market was kind of, I'm a, I love following the market. And I, I noticed this whole trend where a lot of these sort of films, these sci-fi, you know, Westerns or these sci-fi type films go direct to DVD. And I know I didn't really want to go that route with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I even came to that um, realization, I, I, you know, I was really building a feature film and I had like, Danny Trejo attached. I had Michael Madsen attached. I had all these names, Daryl Hannah. And I was like, oh, this is great. But then, you know, speaking with, you know, people that I've always like leaned on some, you know, mentors of my own, you know, they said, well, these aren't really valuable names anymore. I mean, Danny Trejo, yeah, but the Madsons, the Daryl Hannahs, you know, they're, you got to look at where their projects are going Mm. and they were going to direct to DVD. Well, that's still great. And that's Mm. awesome. I respect them. I love those actors. I didn't want this to be what, like a one and done thing. Yeah. So I saw the progression and, you know, the evolution of television to the web um, over the last 10 years, it's just exploded. And mm-hmm. I kind of just went from that aspect and I said, well, what if we can make this a series? Mm-hmm. And then from that point forward, I just started thinking that way. That's really interesting. I, ha- I have a background in film. Um, it's what I studied in in college and then, you know, life happens and steers you away from that sometimes. But I, I've been really fascinated to kind of watch that, that transition that you talked about where, I mean, yeah, features are still there and they're still happening and they're still being made, but the, the things that are being done with series now and the distribution options for those 
Um, super cool. Yeah, I mean, it's... Lots of good opportunities. And I feel like with a series in particular, you can really get into some of that story and character development in a way that you just can't with, you know, a two-hour feature. It just doesn't happen because the time's not there. Yeah, and I think um, what was great about this was it, it the original feature was had a big ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. And um, I think one of the one of the things Mike and I, Michael and I, always talked about was um, Curtis. Curtis, who's our our main guy, no doubt, um, our main um, protagonist, um, kind of at times felt like he was taking a back seat to some of these other characters. Uh. And what was great about exploring this as a TV series was, well, we can afford to do that. And I think John, John last time said it was a, a Game of Thrones thing. Uh-huh. I mean, that's, that's a great, like, okay, great. Yeah, let's compare ourselves to Game of Thrones. But also, let's not, because they have so <laughs> many characters. And we want to <laughs> we want to have a little happy medium where we've got a good, good little tight-knit group that we can explore different avenues. And yeah. I remember when Mike Mike uh, uh, was getting us a draft for the, the pilot, um, it, still, it still seemed really kind of um it didn't have like we we he rewrote it in a sense that okay it was basically part of the the feature film it was like the first act the pilot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then but now it's morphed into something completely different and we took strains from the old script and also new ideas that we all had that him and I just sitting in and brainstorming and they're like, whoa, well, what about this character? We have time to actually talk about this character that was only a bit part and we can flesh them out some more because we can do a couple more episodes. And so it's morphed into um, that. And we've given Curtis, um, we've really worked hard. And, and John, too, gets a lot of credit for this, is really putting Curtis in the forefront and making all the other stories revolve around him. And it's really morphed into something really interesting. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, and that was one thing with like with what Phil bringing you know, with bringing Phil aboard. Phil has a background in television, so he understands the development of characters. He understands the process of maybe not telling a story within one episode and dragging it out. So it was really mm-hmm. cool when he came aboard. He kind of opened up this whole you know this whole spectrum of ideas that I was like, oh my god, you know, I have freedom. Like we can do this. We can actually do this. And um, it was it was interesting seeing that playing out. And even with us writing, you know, additional episodes it was uh it's fun to see this expand and um, go farther than just um where it was at and where it was at when the pilot was created yeah i bet it's kind of fun to see it sort of take on a little bit of a life of its own in a way i bet yeah absolutely oh what has happened this is amazing yeah what's funny is is um even (laughs) even from from when we shot it with the script so what we've done with editing, we've changed it even more. I mean, mm. as we were going, we were like, oh, well, what if we had like, well, John brought this out, but what if we play on it a little more? Well, we got to get him back for a day. Let's get him back. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> so we like sat down and wrote like a little bit of different dialogue and did all of this stuff and, and it morphed even more. So it's still it's still changing. And, and we're writing future episodes based off the final product that wasn't even necessarily. It, I mean, it was shot, obviously. The, the pilot was shot and and the broad strokes are there but little hints and stuff we've been adding in as we've been going and that's been really fun to do because we have we have the future to play with you yeah know? And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think in a way that you can't do with a, a feature film yeah oh, absolutely that's one of, one of the storylines was but uh, this isn't giving anything away but um, one of those central things that really um, really uh, makes this town of Roxville where everything takes place stand out is this bridge that separates the north and the south sides. And 
we didn't even think we didn't even have that even in the story <laughs> screenplay so post-production we're like we were like go, you know doing pickups and there was something like incomplete about it you know and phil goes what, what what's the difference between the north and the south side other than the name it's really fun to see how something can change and i i mean i mentioned that i earlier before we started recording that i hate editing i just hate doing it but like the creative process of it is an art in itself and i yeah. have massive respect for people who can do it yeah. i just don't have the talent for it and it makes me insane but i love watching that happen and i've seen that happen on other projects that i've worked on just as a student and it's it's cool it can completely change well and what i like as a fan watching is that when you start to get invested in the characters um to have that kind of ability to go back and say oh no you know maybe they would do this or they wouldn't do that um i really appreciate that i like going on the journey with them Mm -hmm. um so you know to hear that that kind of is happening and you get these great names like you mentioned the big names for the movie but you know I look at this cast and I'm pretty blown away as it as it is um John Hayden is just tremendous but you have Farron to hear did I say it right um I believe so it's either Farron or Farron yeah um, and Melissa um and I'm gonna butcher her last name too <laughs> and shoots I think right yeah yeah so, you know, and then, of course, um, Michael is in this. He's Sunny Six Gun, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. That's such so. a cool name. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, and it's it's great because um, if you go to their Facebook page, they have a ton of stills from this. Um, and the characters look amazing. You know, I look at the pictures and I go, I need more. Like, this is... Um, this is going to be something I, I project seeing. So I, yeah. I think the cast looks amazing as it is. I, you know, it yeah. is, it's really cool. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, you know, we did a lot of local talent in uh, Michigan, but you know, with a lot of the leads and a lot of the real, uh, the principal characters, um, you know, we went out and cast it. I mean, we searched all over the place. Um, you know, one thing with, uh, with John, I mean, at the end of casting, we still never got our lead. John was like, I don't know. I don't think he was one of the last ones to come aboard, but he was pretty deep into the process. And we were having a hard time finding that that essential lead to play Curtis. And I remember just sitting down one night and watching this Daredevil show. I'm like, oh, Daredevil, check it out. He's in, like, the first scene, the first thing. And I'm like, I want him. Yeah. And uh, the next day, I just called his reps, and we made it happen. It was fantastic. I wasn't even there for that because while we were while we were um, deep into pre-production, I was also <laughs> getting married. Oh. So um, I was it was a really busy first part of the year um, while we were um, doing this in the late late winter, early spring. I was getting married in May, and then um, went uh, on a really long. We just took a really epic month-long honeymoon like a month before principal so i just remember i would get updates and emails and everything like um like wait who the who the hell is john patrick wait what this is curtis now (laughs) (laughs) guys guys you gotta wait what's happening (laughs) and then they're like no no no, listen watch the show and i was like oh my god this guy's awesome (laughs) yeah yeah Oh, congratulations on your wedding. (laughs) That's a a great way to find out the lead, right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't recommend getting married and producing a show. Um, At the same time, that's um, at least an independent show. 
We're going through all the nightmares of pre-production. Meanwhile, he's backpacking through Europe. <laughs> it was beautiful. No, it, you know, it actually, it worked out, I mean, perfectly. And, um, you know, with John coming aboard, I mean, he brought this element that it was just, you know, we were afraid, like, while we were shooting, we are like, man, is he too Rick Grimesy from The Walking Dead? Oh. And, uh, but John really, like, owned the character and, like, really made it his own. And on the opposite side of that, his... Um, his rival, uh, uh, Farhan, to hear. Um, that that role actually was, we were talking to Danny Trejo for the longest time because I, you know, we had him for the feature and we're like, mm. oh man, we really want him for this. We really want him for this. And the more we started going, <clears throat> we noticed Danny's schedule is just insane and we couldn't come to terms with uh, a set schedule or anything. Yeah. So, but I had this like short list of people that I thought would be great for Utah. You know, the guys named Utah Harjo. And I was like, oh, my God, um, this would be fantastic. You know, who 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 can we get? You know, and um, we finally got Ferran and uh, through a mutual contact, it was like a friend through a friend um, kind of recommended him. And um, I, I can't picture anybody else in the role, actually, to this day. It's he's yeah, he's a, yeah, he's pretty scary. I mean, when you watch him, he has he has only a few scenes. Um, and obviously he's going to be he's one of the characters we're going to be fleshing out later on. Um, but the pilot, we really wanted to focus on Curtis and how Curtis interacts with all these other characters. So all these other characters have bit parts. Um, and Ferran just brought it, man. I mean, the, the like couple scenes that he's in, you remember them and you know, like, oh my God, he is, he is this guy, he's this presence. And um, he was only on set, Ferran was only on set for like, what, two days? Two days. Um, and I just remember standing at the monitor watching him do take after take. I was just like, Oh my God, this dude is crazy intense. It's, it's like everyone's like, I'm scared of him for real. <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then you like yells cut, and he's like the nicest guy. Everyone's like, Hey, what's up? How you going? And just like that transition is like, Whoa, <laughs> you're really good at what you do. Yeah, Hi. <laughs> that's acting. That's so cool. He's so good. Yeah. So, what's been like your favorite part of this whole process? And maybe what the follow-up, I guess, would be what has been the most frustrating? Because this is a big project. This is a well, big deal. And how many have you filmed so far? Like, we know there's a teaser out, and obviously you've done the pilot. Um, have you filmed a few in, or? No. Basically, what we're doing is we've we've you know we found um, financing for a pilot episode, and we're in the very late stages of finishing that up. It's nearly complete, and. Um, we're gonna basically just shop that around, and we have we have some good offers on the table that we're talking to and all that stuff that we can't really get into. But the idea is to um, shop it, get it picked up somewhere, and get a season order. What we are doing is we're writing future episodes to sort of package with that. So I've, I'm deep into episode two, and now that I have a good good enough version of episode two, Mike's already begun episode three. And then I'm gonna, we're just gonna keep going with that, and hopefully have a sort of a little package. Um, but as of right now, it's only one, just the pilot. Yeah, we we know where we want to go with the first season. I mean, we we mapped out, you know, a whole treatment of where we're gonna go. So now it's just just doing the doing the grunt work and you know writing it out and fleshing out additional things that we may or may not have uh, known at the time. So, which I think to answer your question is probably um, has so far been the the most fun part is, as excuse me, we've wrapped up this pilot and um, we're in a really fun spot of just opportunity. 
mm-hmm. and and we're back to the dreaming part because um, we did this all independently and um, we had a lot of our people, Mike and I, I mean, Mike acted and um, produced, but I mean, he did so many other things and, and I, you know, I was sort of co-directing, doing some of the directing stuff sometimes, but I was always offset taking care of other things. And so production was just crazy. And that's what you do when you're, you know, you wear many hats and you, you get it done, you don't complain. But now we're in this spot where it's just kind of just back to Michael and I, and we can just really just dream and and figure out where we want. Cause we have a product now and it's so exciting to see there's actual stuff that, that happens. You can see actors live this out, you know, these characters living this out in this pilot which is fantastic. And now, now that we see it dreaming further on, I think is so far my favorite part. <laughs> yeah, it's great because, um, you know, there's an interest out there, uh, potential buyers and, you know, we're, we get excited. We're like, Oh my God, we got to finish this. We got to finish this. But, <laughs> you know, we take it a step at a time. You know, my, I mean, my favorite part of this whole process is seeing it grow from just an idea to where it's now. And these, those little, like, these little intricate things that happen, like, you know, just the way it was shot, you know, it has this very Terrence Malicky slash, um, God, I don't, uh, it's not documentary style, but like, a fr- I don't know if you've ever watched Friday Night Lights, that kind of, uh-huh. um, you know, the, you have a handheld, you have a, uh, intense zooms, you got a lot of beautiful, like, beautiful shot things that are just, uh, it's amazing. And I love seeing that kind of go forward and we have this vintage feel to it but still keeping true to the Western aspects of it. So I just yeah. love watching it grow from where it was to where it is now. Yeah. And we've really taken a kind of um, sort of an old, a lot of, in a lot of ways, a little old school feel like our editing hasn't, you know, we haven't thrown it through a paper, uh, like a fan. It's just scattered everywhere. Like a Baz Luhrmann movie, um, <laughs> which are great. I love Baz Luhrmann <clears throat> movies, but I do um, too. <laughs> You know, our our uh, our editing's really deliberate. I mean, we agonized over every single shot. Like, mm-hmm. if we didn't need to cut, we weren't going to cut to a different shot. And it, it has a really stable kind of old, like what Michael was talking about, an old Western feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, um, kind of shaky, like the handheld stuff, uh, a little bit, a little bit edgy uh, in a way. So it's not like your it's not your your grandfather's western it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean it's like this whole like another style that i'm not saying that we came up with it by any means we kind of took what works for other episodes what worked for other projects and kind of developed them into our own and yeah. uh, the final product is really really nice yeah oh i'm now, the, so excited to see this the part i do i guess the part going off of the second part of your question which mm. what we don't like um <laughs> it's the unexpected stuff that happens yeah. I mean, I'm sure you guys know as well where it's, you know, you're working on something and then um, something that you're not prepared for happens and you oh, yeah. feel like it's the worst thing in the world. Um, <laughs> you know, you're like, where did that footage go? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. uh, we got to figure out taxes now. You know, like, it just, it's, <laughs> just the unexpected stuff, yeah. um, you know, where things that we, ha- we, we have experienced, we have experience in, but we're not like, you know, seasoned in it so it was kind of like okay you know yeah, there's what's... personnel changes within this project and um you know things like that where it wasn't fun but um yeah that those are the non-fun things right i think what's interesting too is that michael and i have um this this is actually our our first um 
not our because we've we've done projects but they all have been really low budget you know really really indie and this is our first one um together with a, a bigger bigger budget and i think we have a lot more experience than than i think our our credits will show because we've we're both we both do the same thing. We both pitch projects, get projects, try and get projects off the ground. We're both writers, producers, all that stuff. And we've had project, and that's just one of the things we bonded over was we had project after project fail the last few years. I was out in Hollywood for a while, almost had a couple. I was meeting on Paramount with this producer, getting a different project, and it falls through just for whatever reason. Um, and he's had the same thing. Like he said before, we were mm-hmm. on a feature like two days from principal, and you don't think it's going to fall apart, and then it does. You know, so to finally have this, I think we've um, him and I have both um, taken our licks and and we're we're seasoned in a in a way that um, doesn't show it, but I think we have a lot of experience from from things falling apart. So um, it's just I think I think it's really fun to finally be on the cusp of something real. Yeah, we, we both have this like we've both been told no so many times where it's, you know, we have this mentality like, okay, well, we'll just go and do it ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, like, and I love that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, one of those things that's like, okay, you, you're being told no, and you're like, okay, well, I see the potential here, and who's telling me no? Okay, well, we're just going to do it ourselves. And that's why I love Phil's on that same, like, mind, you know, that mind uh, level where we're like, okay, let's just go get it done. Nobody else is going to do it. Yeah. And I think that's such an important, I mean, in my heart, I still want to be a filmmaker in my real life. I'm a single working mom and those don't always go together super well, but you know, I've, I've had my own little rejections. I haven't tried anything anywhere near as cool as what you guys do, but I think anyone who's kind of in this sort of creative artistic, you know, mindset where they've got this thing that they want to do and you get told no and you get told that it sucks or whatever it is it's really hard to keep going and the fact that you guys have done that I have so much respect for that yeah that's so exciting the other thing I keep thinking is we live in the perfect day and age for people who feel like they have something um you know we have so many media multimedia social media resources to get stuff out there um, from independent people and I love that because I think too yeah. often it is no but there is really good content out there I mean oh, I won't yeah. lie I watch some shows and I go really they made this and, yeah, right. and you know that there's something yeah. really decent sitting on the table that people are gonna love and that can be frustrating <laughs> so um, kudos for sure and you know mm-hmm. I, I do think this is the time to do it so many people are doing things like web series um, using the Facebook using Twitter and and I love that and I love this concept, so I'm glad you guys continued to go for it. Um, you know, seven years in the making is is pretty is is a good chunk of time to wait. So, and the <laughs> fact that you do so much in it to me shows sort of your passion for it. Um, and I sort of this believe, one's got heart. Yeah, and when that <laughs> passion sure. is there, it usually shows in the work. Yeah. So, um, very very cool. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know we we kind of took like you mentioned web series and. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that went before us that are doing amazing. I mean, um, I remember watching this old series called Pioneer Pioneer One and Video Game High School. And a lot of those, who, you know, they kind of started out with like low budget um, web series. And, you know, they kind of had their own little followings. And I think that's amazing. And I think they paved the way for people like us mm-hmm. who can get in there and just do our own thing. Because they did the same exact thing. People told them no or, 
you know, they were like, well, we got a cool idea about how to, where, where, where's our platform? We can't do it on TV. Oh, great. You can do it on the web. You know, there, there's a million things opening up now. I mean, you have your Hulu's, your Netflix's. I mean, uh, YouTube Red's coming out, Vimeo On Demand. I mean, it's such a huge market right now yeah. for um, internet television, I guess you would call it. Yeah, it's and just, it's, uh, it's blowing up. And it's, it's interesting because of that. It's almost like a double-edged sword, right, where it's basically free promotion and everything, but it... Um, it's it's almost a democratic thing where you're as popular as your quality is good. You know what I mean? So it really it really forces you that if you want to get a following, you got to have something really good. And um, Mike paved the way for that in the in the script. And then um, during principal, everybody everybody our cast and crew just brought it. And I think we're we're sitting on something really good that um, it's a little it's a little freak freaky a little bit but it's yeah. also exciting because I, I i look at it objectively and then i look at it being in it so much i'm like oh well this is a problem this is a problem this is a problem <laughs> and then i look at it from you know a, someone who hasn't seen it and i'm like oh because then because then you watch other shows and you're like yeah. oh, that that's stupid <laughs> we do that with the walk we do that with the walking dead sometimes <laughs> if we ever need a if we ever need a pick me up we go and watch all the little we all we find the mistakes in the walking dead we're like that cg sucks okay we're good <laughs> like, i'm a huge fan of the walking dead so to see them doing things that are like oh they totally popped out there that makes us feel good because we're like okay we don't have to sit there and spend you know thousands of dollars to get one little frame yeah perfect you know because you don't know that it's just so funny is is you know you don't realize it until you're you're doing it every single day and you're sitting there with your effects guy and this is this is we're doing this because our effects guy just finished and this is why we're um i'm like in that mindset but like watching the walking dead i'm like oh those muzzle flashes are crazy weird and but when i watched it like a year ago i was like don't die you know so <laughs> when you're in the moment as a viewer you don't necessarily you know see that and that's the fun thing about filmmaking um and and a project of this size which has considerable effects and stuff is is really fun to to it's uh kind of dr jekyll mr hyde about it you're like oh that sucks it has to be perfect but we should let it go because Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I like that. I'm gonna say it. We're gonna let it go because of the Walking Dead. Catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I I kind of want to know how you guys got got into you know this whole filmmaking thing. Like what what sort of inspired you to want to do it in the first place? Tears and shame. Lots of lots of shame and tears of being told no. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Super motivational. Demotivational yeah. right there. <laughs> I uh I mean I I was making uh I was making films like all the way in like middle school. Um I suffered from like I had bad anxiety and panic attacks. And uh I was afraid to stand up in front of the class and do speeches. So my teachers said I could I could like record them. I'm like, what? And uh and like showcase it in the class and I didn't know what that was about. So I tried it, stole my mom's camcorder, and uh, just started filming everything. And then my uh, the quality got better as you went, you know. And it was uh, that was like a platform for me to just kind of um, I don't know, you know, just kind of uh, do myself, you know, be myself. And uh, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And then I just kind of grew from there, and you know, and kept going. Um, I decided, you know, I was huge into sports, and uh, I decided to put film down i was like well there's no future in it 
I'm gonna. Um, I had a pretty good future with baseball. Oh. Um, I played minor league baseball, and uh, that kind of you know suffered, and that was like a huge dream of mine, and that kind of just like crashed and burned. So I was just kind of like, okay, where do I go from here? You know, my dad was always like, just you know, do what you love and see where you go. And I just, I loved film. I loved, I loved uh, being a part of it. So I kind of took it and just went from there and just uh, made some contacts. I had some contacts through baseball who, um, people who retired, they, uh, they knew people in the industry. Um, and I got introduced to the right people and it was kind of cool. And then they kind of became mentors and uh, taught me how to write, taught me, you know, everything, acting, lighting just kind of like a, you know, school, like a, like a weird schooling. Um, so I just kind of went from there. And that was kind of my start in it. That's okay. so inspiring. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your story, Phil? <laughs> Top that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have, you know, I've always been sort of a visual learner. And I, I did the best in school with teachers that could that could sort of show me visually how things, how the world worked. And that just, I think it just came naturally. I, I liked photography and I was always kind of like Mike, I was walking around with a video recorder, um, taping, you know, family Christmases, much to the chagrin <laughs> of my Midwestern family who hates being on camera, but I did it anyway. And, and, you know, I dabbled in high school with, you know, cause I also really love to write and I dabble with, um, I was a wrote for the newspaper and everything, but what, I think what really got me um, on the I'm going to be a filmmaker bandwagon was I read <laughs> I read Science the script for Science. Oh. I was I had finished I was at, I was in high school I was like 17 or 18, and I finished the the uh, my my paper for that day for journalism class, and I just I got on the internet and found this because uh, I had just seen the movie and I thought it was really crazy cool. And so I read the script and I remember reading Shyamalan's uh, script and how it, it just, you could see it through, through reading it. You could see yeah. it so visually, just the way that he wrote and being kind of a writer myself, aspiring writer, I just, that, that absolutely blew me away that, that there was a way to, to write so visually and it kind of clicked mm -hmm. in my brain. So I wanted to, get into movies. Um, cause I remember when I, I, in seventh grade, I, I took a weird modern technologies class and I learned how to edit and I was in like seventh grade and, um, I saw like raw footage for the first time and I was like, star Wars is forever ruined. I hate this. But, um, <laughs> but then I read signs and brought it back to me. <laughs> so good, good. then I, yeah, then I just went to, I took a more traditional way. I went to uh, grand Valley state university in grand Rapids, uh, went through their film program and, started um my own little indie television series through their tv station their public access thing did that for a number of years did a whole complete series and um loved every minute of it it was really hard but but i loved it and i, I just had a knack for it i think uh, in my own opinion so that's how i got into it that's awesome. and then i moved to los angeles and it kind of was like oh my god this is a whole new ball game <laughs> <laughs> and i i learned a lot in in about two years, I was out there for a little over two years between LA and San Francisco jumping around. Um, I learned more in that two years than I ever did at film school. So um, there is that. That real world <laughs> experience. Real life. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was but, that was when the nose really started happening. <laughs> you know what I heard in both though. Kudos to those teachers who were understanding of yep. needing different platforms and ways to express yourself. Um, you know, because certainly I think your your talk about feeling anxious. Um, a lot of kids feel that way. A lot of kids aren't sure how to get their message across if they're visual, if they're not. So that's pretty awesome. Um, you know that there was that that kind of lifted both of you into into kind of what you're doing so that's pretty awesome yeah absolutely there's always an audience out there no, no matter what you're doing um there's always an audience there's always somebody that will pay attention and you know it's um it's good you know i, I think it's a good way for anybody to express themselves whether they're writing filming um anything speaking anything and the not giving up, um, you know, hearing the no's, yeah. but knowing that's what you want to do. Um, so key, I think, um, you know, I think no's are a very big part of the reality out there. Um, and these bigger cities can feel very overwhelming to to people going. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think a lot of people think they have to go to L.A. or New York to get there, you know, just to be a part of it. But, mm. you know, my philosophy has always been working from the outside and everybody's anybody I've ever talked to said, you know, you're very much respected if you can do something from the outside in, um, if, you know, if you're doing your own projects um, and showcasing that, you know. So I've always kind of took that approach, like, what can I bring to the table from working outside of Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. Um, and I always I always felt that, you know, you get a, because it's extremely, like Phil said, it's extremely competitive. It's, a, you know, it's a whole different world out there. And I think a lot of people get jaded by that. I think mm-hmm. they kind of look at it like it's so much, it's, it's so overwhelming. And a lot of people will go out there like, I'm going to be an actor. Then they end up being a PA for 10 years. And um, I, I think that, you know, everybody everybody does have a voice. Everybody does have a creative mind. And I think that, you know, working from the outside in is not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Yeah, it's just all your mentality on it, whether you go out there or stay here. Um, it's it's how you approach it and, and whether or not you, you, you know, you need a thick skin. Um and um, the people that don't ultimately, I think, phase out because a lot of you got to look at it like I always looked at it from when I was when I was with these other producers and when I was working for some other writers out there, you know, they're at a point where it's like they're saying no because they don't have you don't have time for like, they don't have time for my feelings and how for me to process Mm -hmm. the fact that I'm being rejected. They know that it's wrong. Money's being spent. You got to do this and and you can't take it necessarily personally, but working from the outside in, like, like what we're doing here is, um, is a really good way to, to go about it too, because I think you have a little more freedom and you don't have to deal with that sort of impatience. Mm -hmm. And, and especially if you've, um, you know, you've cultivated your own project like we've done. We, we have the ability to, to do what we want in a way that just wouldn't be possible in a, in a bigger, more expensive market right now. Yeah. Um, so. Well, and you can go back and re-edit and add things without having to go through 10 other people, um, yeah. which, which helps. <laughs> but we're getting now. Tell us, though. Tell us. Tell the audience. Tell me. Tell Kirsten why we should watch The Land of Outlaws. You've name dropped. You know, John kind of said Game of Thrones. You guys have talked Walking Dead. There's so much out there. So really tell us the bread and butter, what we're going to see, what you want us to get out of it, um, so that we get a good idea of what the land of the outlaws is. You want to take it, Phil? You know what? You know what? I uh, Yeah. When 
when we were editing, we we actually Mike and I actually did the physical editing. Um, and when we were editing all the raw footage, um, you know, there was a really good story there. And then when um, the effects started coming in and the sound started coming in and some of the music started coming in and then it was all sort of there and we could see a finished product. There isn't really anything. And I told Michael this, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's there's nothing really. I mean, you can compare a ton of stuff to this, but not in its entirety. It's not a complete ripoff of anything. Mm-hmm. We've melded a lot of different things. The spaghetti western, the post-apocalyptic future, the just the um, some of the storylines, and it's 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 unique because it has it takes it pulls from so much, but it doesn't feel jumbled. And and mm-hmm. when you look at it and you watch it, it is it's it's hard to be as unique as as this came off but it still feels familiar enough to jump right in you don't have to like come at it like i've never seen this before because there's enough of those elements the western the you know the mad max feel all that kind of stuff that that draws people in and i think that's a huge reason to watch it as as well as the the characters that inhabit it and and the wonderful actors that we've got to portray them yeah, there's, um, you know, we have a strong female lead in Melissa. Yay! Oh, <laughs> Thank you! Yeah, and it's, you know, you see so many, like, different, like, I mean, there is a lot of strong female characters in other shows, but um, hers is strictly, like, she is just a, a vigilante, man. She is so, like, focused on, you know, the task at hand, and... Um, She's just a badass. And then you have on the flip side of that, you have somebody that's a little bit more um, sensitive, um, like uh, our uh, Tug. There's a character named Tug, and he's a little bit more sensitive of childlike. And um, then you have Utah, who's a little bit um, leads with, you know, a little anger, but has a peaceful mentality. I mean, you have so many different aspects of these characters in this world. And I think anybody could jump in at any, like Phil said, at any time. And you could, you could just watch it and, and relate to it and it does it has that fanboy feel but it for people who love old westerns or love badass cars or love guns or love you know you're gonna have that in this um and you're gonna have a a plethora of different storylines that will be able to suck you in and i got that feeling strongly when i looked at the stills um i truly am excited and it was just by chance you know that that we connected with john to to hear more so you know i like the look of it i like Mm -hmm. um the feel just from even seeing you know just the still picture so and it was that it was cars i saw guns i saw the wardrobes it it really spoke to me so i'm super excited um where can we keep up to date with where you're at when we might see a pilot websites twitter facebook yeah well facebook i mentioned facebook (laughs) yeah we have let's see we have an active pretty active facebook and instagram mike what's the handle for instagram land of the outlaws oh just yeah just land of the outlaws Land of the Outlaws, and then search for us on Facebook. And then we have a, a website as well, www.landoftheoutlaws.com. Okay. So that that should be enough, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Other than calling us and being like, yo, what's going on? We'll be like, yeah, right, yeah we'll do that. We're going to text. <laughs> Just no, look so at Facebook. <laughs> we'll text so your wife doesn't think it's always Michael. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I remember John in the last podcast. Like, yeah, they're holding it pretty close and waiting to release it at the right time. And it's, yeah, we, we do. There's so much 
we want to say and so many details we want to give, but um, we don't want to put the cart before the horse. So we're very, uh, we're kind of holding our, you know, holding our guns close and just kind of um, trying to amp it up and build a very good fan base uh, to where when it does get to that point, when we do announce, um, you know, where, where the platform, where it's going to be shown, when it's going to be shown, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. And I can't wait uh, for the fans to hear it and see it. Oh, so excited that you guys yeah. came on. I mean, you can hear I pushed yes. John a little. I was like, when, when, when? <laughs> um, you know, so to hear more about yeah. it has been really great. So grateful you both came. Um, before we go, though, we usually play a little game of Would You Rather. So if you're up for it, um, we can add that in. Yeah. <coughs> Bring All it. All right. Everyone feeling good about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just All pass right. it to Michael if I don't want to answer. <laughs> Michael can speak for me. There you go. <laughs> this one's pretty tame. The, the <laughs> one I came up with is pretty tame. I, I was, uh, I've got a nine-year-old daughter who thinks that I am the weirdest person on the planet. And I was uh, singing to her this morning because I am the weirdest person on the planet. And, huh. and this is where my would you rather came from. <laughs> so I'll give you an idea of what I was singing to her. Okay. So, okay. So let's assume that, that from this point on, you can only communicate through song. Would you rather communicate through Lionel Richie songs <laughs> or ABBA songs for oh the rest of your life? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be quiet. No, <laughs> no more talking. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's now silence. It's yeah. the sound of silence. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, those are the only options? There's not, those, like, those are your two options. <laughs> Although I'm open to hearing if you've got some other artists that would. Uh, <laughs> You're was, like, I could do Journey, but I don't know about any of the. Was Abba the Mamma Mia thing? Was that? Yeah. My, my thinking? Yeah, okay. yeah I'm, I'm older than you guys, so sorry if. I mean, could I could we, sing you something if you want. I, I could do the Metallica thing. You know, we could. Not a choice. No, no, not a choice. Yeah. Get to be badass. These are supposed to be hard choices. <laughs> Well, I would do it. I, I'm going to cheat and say Mamma Mia version because that's like show tunes and that's yeah. awesome. Show tunes. In their, in their, with their songs. All right. All right. I can just, respect that. I'd have to go Lionel Richie. I mean, the guy, <laughs> the guy, the guy, the class, you know, I mean, he still does. I mean, he's, uh, yeah. I mean, God, I mean, I know he was, you know, my dad said he was warming up his backseat, you know, so. <laughs> I gotta go. I'll probably go. Well, this work then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm All right, Jolan, you gotta decide. Pick oh, your poison. You know what, though, in honor of John, though, we should do the little ding, 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 because you know, would you rather <laughs> has a bell in honor of John? So ding, ding, ding. That's the right answer. <laughs> Kudos right to in. Dad in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, or is that the wrong answer? I don't know. <laughs> No comment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all ABBA. Um, I think I, I go with the show tune thing. You know, it's funny, and I think it would annoy the heck out of people if that's all you could do was communicate in ABBA songs. Um, that very 70s kind of woo-woo. <laughs> um, I, I think it would be fun. Although, let me think what song... <laughs> he said Mamma Mia, which is funny because that's a song my dad used to sing to me when I was like younger. Um, yeah, I don't know, Dancing Queen, right? <laughs> Just burst out into Dancing Queen. 
If I had to sing that forever, I would eventually tune my own self out and not even hear myself. Right. <laughs> That's what I said. We'd have a very quiet world after about both. <laughs> All right, Kirsten, go. Uh, I, uh, I always ask these questions and I never think for myself what I'm going to answer. I, mm, I'll, oof, Lionel Richie. <laughs> I'm going to even it up. I, uh, yeah, because I want to be able to say, you know, hello, hello, <laughs> me you're looking for. I feel like I could use that a lot. It'd be relevant. It is. You could use it in every aspect. You know, is it me you're looking for? Like, <laughs> like, All the yeah. time. But how would we respond <laughs> in song? Oh, that's the question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now we got a mess on our hands. <laughs> Abort. So we've come to the end of another session. I want to thank Michael and Philip. Please, please go check them out. Um, Land of the Outlaws on Twitter, on Facebook, at their website. Um, we open up to questions on our own at the Devil's Made Us Do It Twitter site. If you have any questions we didn't answer, if you liked something, please let us know. Um, guys, thanks so much. Um, we really appreciate you being here. Absolutely. All right. Till next time. Bye. Right. Bye. See you. Yeah.